This morning, I've had actually two people ask me, Jeff, are you excited today? You see, every Sunday I get up here and I say, I'm so excited about what God has for us. Let me tell you, just a simple answer for that question is, yes, I'm excited today for what God has for us in his word. I believe, church, that we are sitting on a potentially big day. And I want to encourage you to lean into God's word today, to allow the spirit to have access to all the places in your life and in your heart. I also want to encourage you to take your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 18. When you get to Exodus chapter 18, you can go to verse 13. I will meet you there in just a couple of moments. Exodus chapter 18, picking up in verse 13. Now, you guys know that in our lives, the Rasnick household, especially Lolly and Pops, we've renamed the word Friday to Addie Day. You see, every Friday, we drive to Huntsville, and we spend that day with Addie and those two other people. I can't remember their names that live with her. Oh, Caleb and Laura. That's their names. And we go to Addie Day. So I just want to position you two Addie Days ago. So that was like nine or 10 days ago, depending upon how you count days. We were in Huntsville, and we decided that they were having this uh, big get together at a park in downtown Huntsville, and the big draw was going to be all of these food trucks. Now, food trucks are all the rage these days, and we were excited about that, so we extended our Addy Day stay to include dinner, and we went to this park. Now, we got to this park right as it was beginning, and we walked around the area looking at all of the options that existed, and it came to time to decide what we were going to get. Well, I took Addie, being a good pops, I took Addie, and she and I went over and found a shady spot, and we played in the grass a little bit while everybody else, the other three, went to get their food. Now, Caleb and Laura got in line and Angela to get their food, and Angela, just so you know, she's not here today. She's speaking at another local church for First Choice, but uh, she got brisket nachos from this truck, and she said they were the best brisket nachos she had ever had. Uh, they all came back to where Addie and I had sat down in the grass to play, and I got to feed Addie because, see, they were feeding themselves, so I'm playing really smart. Well, then Addie gets done eating. They're not done, but they're almost done eating. It's time for me to go get my food. Well, you see, I'd had my eye on this uh, steak and cheese food truck, and it really sounded good to me. So I went and got in that line, and the lines, because time had passed a little bit, had gotten a little bit longer, and I stood there for 10 minutes. Now, food truck lines aren't fast-moving lines to begin with, but I stood there for 10 minutes. And being the way I am, I started thinking I was just getting a little bit frustrated because, you see, the line, not only was I not moving forward in the line, I actually spent the next 10 minutes watching the window that sticks the food out. You know, you order at one window of a food truck, and then you pick it up at the other window, and so I just spent the next eight or 10 minutes standing in line, not taking any movement forward, and I noticed that there was no food coming out of that truck. So I surmised, being as smart as I am, that I was going to be in line for a really long time. And you know what? It just wasn't worth it. I stepped out of line. I looked at all the other food trucks who had equally long lines, and I just passed on dinner. I just skipped it. You know why? Because it just was not worth the wait. 
I walked back over to my family. I knew that as I drove back from Addie Day that I would stop and get something as we headed home. You see, I do not like lines that do not move. I do not like processes that aren't efficient and effective. And when I see things that are broken processes, I like to fix them. But the funny thing was is there's not one food truck sticking its head out going, Jeff, can you come make us better? So I had nothing to be able to do. They weren't looking for my input. By the way, on the way home, I stopped and um, got a cheesy bean burrito and a spicy potato soft taco from Taco Bell on the drive-thru. Spent $2.11. Do you know that I wanted a steak and cheese? And I was going to give them about $20 for that steak and cheese because food trucks also are not cheap. You know, we each make value decisions all the time. Is the investment worth the return? So let's stand together. If you read from God's Word, from Exodus chapter 18, we're going to pick up in verse 13. We're going to read through verse 23. Exodus chapter 18, starting in verse 13. And it says, And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice, and I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God, and you shall teach them and teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be the easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all this people will also go to their place in peace. Thank you. Keep your scripture open. You may be seated. Now, if you recall last week in the first part of Exodus chapter 18, Moses and his family, Zipporah and his two sons, had been reunited. Jethro, his father-in-law, had, had brought the family to them. But we also studied last week that Jethro had come to a real faith. And all of this happened yesterday. Do you notice in verse 13, it said, and on the next day. So yesterday, Jethro comes to real faith in God. Yesterday, Moses and his family were reunited. And some would say that Moses probably should have taken this day off to be with family, perhaps. Moses had taken time to share in verse 8 of last week's lesson all that the Lord had done. So let me lay out the scene that happens on this day, the day after that, or today in our way of thinking. Moses got up and he went before the people to be their judge, their arbiter, their counsel, call it whatever you want to. People with real issues, some great and some small, 
would line up early in the morning seeking to come before Moses to be heard and have Moses settle their issues. Scripture says that this happened from morning until evening. Now, you know we've studied Scripture enough to know that when they left Israel, I mean left Egypt, Israel was 600,000 men strong, and we think that this is, means it's, it's, there's at least 2.5 million people in the children of Israel, and they, based upon what Scripture says, are continuing to grow in this passage of time. But anywhere you have 2.5 million people, you're going to have issues and needs that need to be met. I don't know about you, but I would not spend all day standing in line to have my issues heard. I won't even stand in line for 30 minutes to get a steak and cheese. I'm not alone in this. You see, all along, lots of times, we just don't take time to deal with our challenges and our issues. We just go, it's not worth it, and we stuff it down inside, and we get to walk around with it more and more. So since a lot of people probably wouldn't do that, for every issue that Moses was able to resolve by those that came and stood in line from morning until evening, there were probably many other issues that were not resolved. They just festered and grew. Real problems. I'm not trying to minimize those. Real problems just not being addressed. So Scripture teaches, tells us that Jethro notices this process. He goes with Moses and he sees what's happening. Verse 14, Jethro says to Moses, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? He notices the process. In verse 15, Moses says, because the people come to me. They need me to inquire of God. Now, church, we need to see that Moses' heart, his heart, was in exactly the right place. You see, he was God's chosen leader. He needed to help the people. He was the one hearing from God, the one that God had allowed to come before him. So Moses' heart was in the right place. Verse 16 goes on to say that when they have difficulty, Moses is saying, they come to me, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So not only was Moses' heart in the right place, he was seeking to do the right thing. He was trying to do, the right, do it the right way, to lead the people to view their challenges and their difficulties in the light of what God's word said to them. You see, Moses knew God. Moses knew the people. And Moses knew that God and his purposes through his word, through his commands, through his laws, through his statutes, was the answer to their challenges. Well, Jethro, after hearing that from Moses, he responds. And in a summary, I was reading, Tony Evans made this summary statement about verses 17 and 18. He said, have you lost your cotton-picking mind? This job is too big for one man. You see, verse 17 says, Jethro said, this is not good. Jethro is speaking to the process, not Moses' desire to be helpful. Verse 18, he said, this process will wear everyone out, you and the people. Verse 18 goes on to say, you need help. You cannot do this alone. Now, we know this is true, that he's attacking the process and not the person and not the heart and not the desire, because in verses 19 to 22, he offers process improvement ideas to Moses and to the children of Israel. 
Church, there is a point in our lives where we, as children of God, must seek to be helpful. We must get involved. We must allow the Word of God to both lead us to involvement and to the resolution of issues, both personal and corporately in our church family. We must also be ready to be a source of love, a source of encouragement, and a source of truth to those in our lives who do not yet know Jesus in a real and personal way. Just a reminder again this week that I said last week, the Great Commission is your responsibility. We are to take it and to share it. Verse 19 comes up, important point, pivotal point in Moses. Jethro says, I will give you counsel. Now, with Jethro's offer for counsel, Moses had a decision to make, just like me and you when it comes to receiving counsel. Moses could have said this, come on, Dad, I've got this under control. This process is working fine. This is the best way. Thanks for the offer, but this is right. He could also say, Jethro, I appreciate your input, but you're just new to this God thing. I mean, you just really came to a real relationship with God yesterday. Why don't you just leave this God stuff to me? Moses could have taken that perspective, right? Or Moses could sincerely entertain Jethro's counsel, could accept his feedback. Church, let me tell you that counsel is good. Feedback is good. Even if critical, it can be good. Let me give you a couple of examples of feedback in, uh, well, one in my life. I've mentioned this to you before, but when I was called as your, or I was called into the ministry, I went back to school as an older person, as an accountant going back to school, and I had to write lots of papers. Well, they didn't have lots of numbers in them, so it was new to me being an accounting guy. So I had to write lots of papers. I had to write my first paper, and I gave it to my wife to proof for me. Well, Angela, I'm telling you, if you ask her to edit something for you, be ready. She puts a pen in one hand and a highlighter in the other hand, and she just attacks it. And she gives it back to me, and it doesn't, it's just a shell of itself. It doesn't, I mean, it is bleeding to death. She even used a red pen. And I had a decision to make. Was I going to take these critical feedback opportunities or was I going to go, no, I got this. Well, I'm not a dummy, even though I act dumb sometimes. And I made all the edits that she made. Turned it in, got an A on the paper going, hmm, that works. We did this for two and a half years. She was my editor. I had to do the big paper at the end. I gave her the big paper at the end, and she handed it back to me. She said, I can't find anything wrong with it. I'm trainable, right? <laughs> wow. Now, the second thing that I want to give you as far as feedback is good. See, that one, that feedback made me a better writer, and that was good. Example two, I love seeing new people come to First Baptist Church. I always... When I see them come in, I ask God, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you planning? What are you seeking to do through them as you bring them 
into First Baptist Church. You see, Scripture teaches us that God adds to the body as it pleases Him. So I want to encourage you, this is a homework assignment, I want to encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Not right now. I'm going to give you a summary of two or three things from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is like the membership handbook of what you are to do as a member of the body of Christ. But let me just take five little statements. It says here in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works in all. We're different, but we're the same. Verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to one for the profit of all. That means that God has given you a gift, and that gift is not yours. That gift is yours to be able to utilize so that the body of Christ is built up, strengthened, and edified. Verse 18 says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, I love that, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Every single one of them. There are no random members. Verse 25 says that there should be no schism in the body, but they should care for one another. These members that God brings together at his pleasing, gifts at his pleasing, so that we can build up and strengthen and encourage people, is to prevent schism or trouble or challenge as we love one another. And verse 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You are individually and yet part of the body. You are part of the body, yet you are individual. And I want to make this point in order to both challenge you and encourage you. You, yes, you are critically important. Not just to God who loves you dearly and sent his son to die for you and to redeem you, but you are critically important to his church. This church needs you to be an active member in all of the work of the kingdom. Church, did I say that this could be a big day? Let me say that again. This church needs you to be an active member in all of the activities of the kingdom. So Jethro gave counsel, and he gave it to Moses, and it sounded a little bit like this. Keep standing before God for the people. Teach them the statutes and the laws of God. Show them how they must walk. Show them what they must do. And verse 23 says, and you only do this if this is what God commands. What that tells me is that not all feedback that we get is feedback that we should take but only feedback that builds up the body, only feedback that is in line with the Word of God, only feedback that is righteous feedback. You see, he's telling Moses, he says, you clearly have a vital role to play, Moses. Moses, you must teach the people that they also have a vital role to play. I want to show you something. You can't see this from here, but this is a page from our church constitution and bylaws under the heading of church officers, under the heading of pastor, under the heading of duties and responsibilities. Just let me share two or three of those with you. 
The pastor, as the under-shepherd of the church, is responsible for the spiritual leadership of the church to enable it to function as a New Testament church. He is to work with the deacons and church staff as a team to lead the church in the accomplishment of its mission. He is responsible for leading members to grow and for enabling them to serve as co-laborers for Christ. Did you notice that word co-laborers for Christ? Now, also in our Constitution and Bylaws, it references on that statement, Ephesians chapter 4. So let me read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, as it relates to co-laborers. It says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Church, Scripture teaches us that you are important, that I'm important, that we each have a role to play. And all of us must be busy about what God has called us to do. I clearly have, a, have responsibilities and requirements from Scripture as your pastor. But as the body of Christ, you also have requirements and expectations. We have so many faithful people. I am just thrilled. You're an encouragement to me. You challenge me. You drive me every day by your faithfulness. But our kingdom requirements, as Scripture lays out, are for everyone to be active in the work of the kingdom. Every one. So Jethro's process, he goes on to tell Moses, is this. Select leaders with godly characteristics, those who fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. Place these selected leaders over increasing numbers of people, tens and then fifties and hundreds and thousands. Let them handle the smaller things. Let them help resolve. Let them help teach. Let them help show. And the larger things, they will rise to you. Look at verse 22, and it says, this will be easier for you. Now, that word easier can get a really bad rap because the one thing I don't want to be seen as ever making a decision for you or by you in this church that is seen as easier for me. I want us to understand what that means. And so in the Hebrew the word easier actually means to take cargo from a ship. You're going, that's weird. But it says, if you'll do this, this will help take cargo off your ship, which means, and it also says it again in verse 22, this will help share the burden. Share the burden. They will bear the burden with you. They, these leaders, they, these people. 
And Jethro says, only do this if you sense that this is what God directs you to do. But if you take this counsel as if it's what God wants you to do, you will endure. That means that you will last and be effective for a very long time. The people will go home in peace. They will have been heard. They will grow. And the body, the people, will become stronger. Jethro looks at Moses and he says something we've probably gone into. He said, this is a win-win if you'll do it this way. So what does Moses do? Well, in verse 24, which we did not read, you can just glance at it right there. It says, so Moses heeded the voice of Jethro and did all that he had said. Now, Scripture gives us greater insight also from Moses. And so I've got marked here, just write in your notes, Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1, I want to read verses 9 to 14. Moses is the author of Deuteronomy as well. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 9 to 14 says this, And I spoke to you at that time, saying, I alone am not able to bear you. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I alone bear your problems and your burdens and your complaints? Choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable knowledgeable men among your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. And you shall answer me, and, and you answered me, and said, the thing which you have told us to do is good. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and knowledgeable men, and made them heads over you, leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, hear the cases between your brethren and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the stranger who is with him. Moses not only heeded the counsel of Jethro, but he was honest with the people. He stood before them and said those dreaded words that every leader never, never wants to say. I can't do this alone. Moses said that to the people. You see, Satan will tell a leader a lie. He says, if you show them weakness, your leadership is done. But Scripture teaches the truth when it says, Moses, you can't do it alone. Jeff, you can't do it alone. Moses says, not only can I not do it alone, but God is multiplying you. You're getting bigger in number and in faith. Choose people to help you. They like this idea. Scripture says they followed through. And Moses involved the people in their improvements. And you go, why did Moses involve the people in all of this? Because they were vital. You see, God is teaching them that it is not their responsibility to come and sit and stand in line and let Moses take care of everything. It's their responsibility to learn and grow and understand, to have less issues by dealing with them, to dealing with them at the lowest level possible, and then helping other people with their issues. You are important. You are critical to our, the body of believers, effectiveness. I recently met with our pastors. 
and I've challenged them, and we are seeking to raise the bar on our commitment and effectiveness to truth and leadership. You see, I can't do this without them. I recently met with our active deacon body. They too are being called to raise the bar in their commitment to truth and to leadership. You see, I can't do this without them. I'm now encouraging you to step up. Did I tell you today could be a big day? You see, I'm sensing that God desires to do a big work in his people. And I'm not saying that prophetically. I'm not saying that as some kind of, I just want to tell you that it's God's plan and God's purpose to do just this if we follow his process, to do these things. I'm encouraging you to consume the God's word, not just read it, consume it, make it important. Come before the Lord in praise. Be active in your willingness to be gospel-sharing believer. Serve, give, attend, pray. Ask God to place people in your lives that you can share Jesus with. Church, not only if you do this, not only will your life be greatly blessed by God, but we, the body of believers, will be positioned by God to be kingdom useful. I started in the welcome and I said, you know, I'm troubled for our world. God's given us the answer. You see, and I believe as we consume God's word, live for him, become that person, that example, that yieldedness, that submitted person to God, here's what I believe scripture teaches will happen. We will see people drawn to God. They will begin lining up to seek him. They will have questions. They will have doubts. They will have troubles. They will have issues. But we, church, must, must be ready. Ready to receive them, ready to teach them, ready to show them, ready to love them. And let me tell you, loving people is hard work. But with God's help, you can do it. If we do not get ready, if we do not step up each individual to be this individual that God wants us to be, people are just going to walk away. Let's go back to my cheesesteak. I was starving that day. I was hungry. I was hungry, and I knew what I wanted, and I knew what I needed, and I knew I didn't need this, and I didn't want this, and I didn't want this, and I didn't want this, and I wanted this. I got to a point where I was ready to say, this is what I want. And I got in line. But they acted surprised that people came. And they weren't ready. It drives me crazy. How can you be a food truck? Open up your window. People come up in order and you'd go, we're not ready. Yeah. So let's just push on this just a little bit. Church, we're this food truck that's not ready. And God has positioned us right now on this day to get ready. 
You see, if we're not ready, they will just walk away. They will step out of this line that God will place them in. They will step away from you. They will step away from the church. And they will step away from a God who loves them dearly, who gave his son for them. And they will walk right into an eternity separated from God without Jesus. Church, I can't do it alone. God's word says, I'm not supposed to. We do it together. But it's gonna take every single one of us to make a difference. All of us. What are you gonna do? They will line up. In the last four weeks, I've had the joy of seeing three people pray to receive Christ in my office. Church, let me tell you, they will line up. If they hear the truth, they see the truth, they will line up because they're hungry for what we say we offer. We gotta be ready.